0: Welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host, Adam Tarno, joined as always by my co host, John McGee. John, why don't you let the audience know what we got in store today?
1: Yeah, so we got JP uh, back with us again today. Uh, If you don't know, JP is from Quero. Texas. That's right. Cuero. What was your
0: high school mascot?
2: Shout out to all my gobblers out there. God, gobblers. Cuero gobblers. Yes. Was so, it a turkey? Like yeah, yes, a turkey. The, yeah. all um, right. A big, fierce, male turkey. <laughs>
1: was a gobbler. That's fierce. A fierce and turkey. Two words I've not seen yeah. side by side.
2: Went to state so, my senior year, guys. In what? Football. Oh, okay. One of the we, winningest team in Texas. And, and tell us about your position. On so that. I was the flag runner. <laughs> I celebrated every time we scored. <laughs> I was involved in every touchdown. That's there,
1: the truth. Oh, my goodness. So your enthusiasm, <laughs> even back then, carried you far. Uh, today we're talking about leading with a limp. And, um, and, JP, we wanted you to, uh, to be in here to talk about this because um, I think Adam and I have just appreciated the way that you have modeled uh, this, for, uh, this authenticity yes. and, um, you know, and have shown our staff, I think, what that looks like here at the Dallas campus. So, JP, do you want to just kind of kick us off, give us some thoughts, like why is this a big deal to you? How do you think about uh, this? And we'll jump into it.
2: Yeah. So I think it's just being honest about your weaknesses. As we think about leading with a limp, you said the word authenticity, which I think is the right word. And um, I, I can share stories where this has come into play. And so one time, so I teach on a Tuesday night gathering here called The Porch. And uh, one week had struggled uh, with with personal purity, specifically with just like allowing my eyes to drift. And I had clicked on a hashtag on Instagram uh, that was innocent, but it led to uh, a hashtag that was not innocent. And so uh, I saw nudity there. Um, I'm for those listening. I'm I'm a recovering porn addict, and so I've been sober from that for over a decade by the grace of God. And so I clicked on this and I had to go preach, you know, and I got to go preach, had the opportunity, the privilege to go preach. And I just didn't want to lie up there. And so I, I shared that story. It wasn't relevant to the message at all. I shared that story up front. I said, Hey, um, Guys, I just want you to know something I did this week. And um, I'm sorry, you know, I'm fighting lies that I've let you down as your pastor. uh, But I just want to drag that in the light before I go any further in in God's word. And that night, I had more people come forward than ever had in any time in in the history of, of my personal preaching and so um, that was interesting to me. You know, there was there was something to learn that people respond to that vulnerability. But also I shared that story at a, I was speaking at a seminary and I shared that story about the importance of leading with the limp. And I shared that story and the feedback afterwards I got from pastors all over the country, whoever was there. Um, they just said, there's no way you can do that. You need to have the appearance of holiness. Uh, you should never, you know, share uh, about pornography in a mixed gender audience. You know, I just got all of this negative feedback feedback around it. Like, hey, I'm not going to do that and you shouldn't either. And I just, what I thought about that guys is is the nature of that specific conference or gathering was around reaching millennials, uh, reaching young adults. And I just thought, hey, that's fine that you feel that way, um, but you're not going to reach the next generation of the church. And they they will not want anything to do with your lack of vulnerability and your inauthenticity.
0: So in your opinion, why, why is this specific to millennials? I, or let me say it this way. I don't think it's just specific to millennials, but it, uh, it certainly has come out in a lot of conversations around what they're attracted to. But w- why do you think millennials uh, are so drawn to authenticity?
2: I think because they've been oversold by the church we've uh, through the years over promised and underdelivered they participate if they went to church as a family growing up, you know it's like hey this tuck in your shirt, you know get your act together, let's go in here and like pretend like we're the perfect family and church was this place where you went to fake it and that's such a tragedy when you think about the most powerful force the world has ever seen that Jesus started 2,000 years ago that it would be a place that you go to fake it. It should be the most authentic, most vulnerable place on the planet earth and so I think millennials long for that but I think everyone does I mean as you pointed out it's not just them everybody's looking for that
1: yeah that's good Adam is that your line you say Christianity is inherently a self-deprecating religion
0: yeah I think yeah I've said that before and I've thought about that that it's this self-deprecating statement we're not a museum of awesome Right. This is not, and and we'll say that when people come into our church services and just go, hey, if you think that the reason we're singing so loudly, while some of us ha- are raising our hands, while some of us seem to have smiles on our faces, if you think it's because we haven't sinned and we've somehow cracked the code in life and like we've we've escaped some. Uh, moral imperfection that you have not escaped, like nothing could be further from the truth. And I I, I love to rip off uh, a line that I heard, you know, when somebody else has said that in that setting and be like, if if you, like ladies, I'd keep your purse close to you because mm-hmm. you are not surrounded by yeah. by good people right now. You've yeah. got yeah. some bad people in the audience.
2: What's the line again? Give it to me again. Uh, the Christianity is inherently
1: a self-deprecating religion. So you, like to be a Christian, you've raised your hand and said I, I'm i not good yeah. and I need uh, the, the promises of the gospel <laughs> applied to
2: my life uh, I'm not I'm not good and we pretend like we are right after that yeah I, th- I mean Adam is the master of making things pithy that's kind of Paul's line right 2 Corinthians 12 9 says my grace is sufficient your power is made perfect in my weakness right. I will boast all the more about my weakness and so uh, I think that's absolutely true that's good and I, Adam you ask um, why is it the millennials I, I don't have an answer for that but
1: I think uh, you know, I don't know this adds anything to the conversation I just want to reiterate that it is is true, that people now are drawn to authenticity, and uh, I, I don't know. At least it is in our context that yeah. that that we can uh, we can say uh, with. Uh, as a fact that people here in our church, in our zip codes, are drawn to authenticity, which I think was different than would have been, say, in the 40s. I wasn't alive in the 40s or a pastor in the 40s. But w- when I listened to the tapes or read the books, uh, the pastor got up and said, you know what? I, I used to kind of be like you guys, but now I started to apply these scriptures. And I, I, I'm really doing, you know, to, to your phrase, like, awesome. And you guys can be awesome just like me if you'll do this. And now, I think you stand up, and JP does is amazing. You know what, guys? I'm just like you. Yeah. And uh, and I, I'm trying to apply these uh, these scriptures, and I'm trying to obey Jesus. Let me share with you what I'm learning as I'm trying to do the same things you guys are. And uh, and that just um, is missional. That's it, a message then, I think, that resonates with people today.
0: So, J.P., why don't you think more leaders do this? Why is this not inherent to more leaders out there? I think there's something that we've learned along the way.
2: Uh, that's tragic that we have to manage the perception of others yeah. and so fear of failure uh, fear of not being liked fear of being known it's just its deep within our DNA I think the enemy uh, you know would be the simplest answer I give you is because there's an enemy Satan and an accuser a liar who hates us and our children and our families and our ministries and um, and so I just think we believe a lie that hey if these people really knew me they uh, wouldn't love me they wouldn't accept me they wouldn't accept my message. Uh, and they wouldn't, you know, allow me to lead them. And I I think that's a lie. In fact, I think they're going to be more prone to follow you if they actually really did know you. And I I would hit on, as we've already touched on, you know, is this, you know, Do people want this? Are they hungry for it? I think Brene Brown gave a TED Talk on vulnerability, or I know Brene Brown gave a TED Talk on vulnerability. I believe it was the number one TED Talk, at least for a long time, may still be, that's ever been uh, produced. And so there's certainly a hunger for vulnerability out there. Yeah,
0: I mean, just even today, driving back from lunch with you guys, I heard some guys on the radio talking about three of the biggest television shows over the past decade, The Shield, The Sopranos, and uh, Breaking Bad, that one of the things that all three of those had in common, though, was this flawed, deeply flawed uh, main character that for some reason everybody was drawn to that. So, I mean, it's, it's not just in the church where people are drawn to a lack of somebody that's not trying to put it all together. It's like the, the popular culture, maybe it's just an American thing. We love to root for underdogs, and we love to to know that people are kind of flawed and broken, uh, mm-hmm. just like us. That's
1: fascinating. That's really, really fascinating. So,
0: now, JP, we, we're talking about, and I think it's, it's good here in the beginning of this episode to... Talk about a distinction between a limp and maybe a leg break, and so how, how would you how would you uh, differentiate between the two of those?
2: Well, I think sometimes you need a break. Like so, there's um, so there, if something's happened in your life, if there's been an event, uh, and you know that just like man, you need a, a time time and space to heal. Uh, that may be not be the time just to continue to you know push through in your leadership, and so that that's one. Uh, thought And then the others, I would just say there are things, like I, like even if you think about that Instagram story I shared, there are things that I could have done with that or other things that I could have done that would be disqualifying. And so it wouldn't be something that I would just share in a sermon because I wouldn't have any business sharing that sermon. And I would need to confess that to my leaders and to those that I work with and say, hey, I've disqualified myself from ministry for at least a season. Um, and so let me heal from this. Uh, let me uh, ask for prayer for this uh, sin in my life so that I can experience healing. Yeah. Adam, what's your, li- what's your line about, uh, wounded leaders
1: not being on the front yeah, line. Yeah.
0: It's what we hear Todd say all the time, you know, that one of the arguments of the church uh, or arguments against the church is, Hey, you guys, you guys shoot the wounded. So when somebody is vulnerable, uh, you shoot them and you, uh, put them in the back. You, you strip them of their title. You tell them they can't lead anymore. And I've really appreciated what Todd Wagner has said of just going, hey, we don't shoot the wounded, but we, we do also don't put them on the front line. So using that military analogy that if you're hurt, that doesn't make any sense to keep you on the front lines. We're not punishing you. We're trying to make sure that you can heal and get well. So we're taking you away from the front line for a season. And then hopefully we, you'll you'll get on back there.
1: That's good. I, I just I just occurred to me, you yes, ask, why do more people not do this? I think there's a real uh, fear that the, you know the congregation is just going to run wild, yeah. and they'll just abuse grace, and they'll all go crazy. And I think instead you can you can see authenticity as a means uh, to uh, obedience or a means to discipleship. And so it's it's one that is Todd's genius leadership. Somehow he struck this balance of it is okay to be where you are. Um, but it's not okay to stay there, yeah. you know. And like that, that is a really it, it can be done. If a leader's wondering, hey, can you do that? Can you can you let can you create a place where people can come in no matter where they are? Yes. And you can still call them to full obedience. They're, they're not mutually exclusive. And I, would, I actually think that uh, authenticity is a means to um, kind of, you know, spiritual development and, um, and holiness. So just being honest is one of the first
0: steps. That's great. All right, JP, let's fast forward five or ten years. Uh, what's at stake if a leader doesn't embrace this principle of leading with a lamp? Oh, man, what's at stake? Uh,
2: sadly, I think we're there. I think we're seeing what's at stake. And so you're seeing statistics about the nuns. You're seeing statistics about Gen Z leaving the church in droves, millennials leaving the church in droves, um, people just being over with uh, organized religion. Hey, I'm spiritual but not religious. And so I think we are in the uh, wake of inauthenticity and a lack of vulnerability in leadership. And so, I, I, I don't think we need to roll the clock five to 10 years. I mean, if, if we don't practice this, uh, we'll just keep moving down the spectrum. And so, if we do, if we start to, I think it could be you know, you could see a resurgence, a revival, uh, a great awakening happen in our time if leaders everywhere listening to this podcast went and just began to be themselves and honest. And we called it authenticity and vulnerability. Uh, another word that fits with that is just is humility, just not thinking that you have to have it all together for Peter writes about this in first Peter five, he says, clothe yourself in humility. A way that we've said it here is humility looks good on everyone. And so what's the best, if you're, if you're a preacher and you're looking for something to wear in the pulpit, um, you know, I, I would recommend humility to you. Wear humility in the pulpit. Dude, that is a great, great image.
1: Um, and i yeah and then people resp- i think you could say people respond to that it's, that i'm still i'm sitting here you said that 15 minutes ago that the the biggest response you've ever had was when you confessed yeah i i just i'm i'm Still spinning uh, on that statement, and um and it's true. People, you you look good. People want to people
2: want to get close when you do. Well, people relate to people who struggle like they do, and so see also the Me Too mo- movement hashtag Me Too. And I don't mean to. And so it could be they could be the victim of something, yeah. Or it, it could be a choice you made. And so the number one thing I heard that night from every person that lined up, it was Me Too. Yeah, Me Too, man. I'm struggling just like you. You found freedom. How I want to to find. Freedom, and so it's one of the reasons I talk so openly about my my struggle with pornography is so that people can experience healing.
0: That's great. Do you think Do you think that leaders could possibly take this principle of leading with a limp too far?
2: I think if you do it
0: with the wrong heart, you're taking it too far. So if somebody just heard me say
2: "what," like "what," he had the biggest response that night. Well, then I got to go up there and man, I'm going to manufacture something, or I'm going to do, I'm going to say this so that I can have a response. That's not why I said it that night. Again, it was a, a conviction. I hope of the Holy Spirit. Um, and just not wanting to be a fraud in front of them, I, I didn't had no idea that it was going to demand that response. The temptation for me now would be to do it uh, as a practice to get a response, and that wouldn't be right. If I take it too far, you know, with with uh, just trying to shock, just shock and awe of what I'm re- willing to say from the microphone. I mean, that wouldn't be good. Yeah, and I think too, JP, you do both. You you say here's my failures,
1: so people need to see what that looks like to uh, own uh, own your failure to apply the gospel to your life in that moment, and they also need to see what a life of like full obedience looks like. So you would never want to sit and get up week after week after week and just uh, have an open mic confession uh, time. You want to show your people I I shared my faith, or I I sought forgiveness from my wife, or I served my kids or my coworkers, and I did this, and I, I was you know. Whatever it is, like you want to show them a life of holiness yeah. uh, as well, and so i uh, don 't you, you could go uh, out of balance on this for sure
0: all right so let 's start to get in the minds of maybe some of the people that are driving around listening to this, sitting there just going listen i I hear what you 're saying, but if people knew my weakness, then they wouldn 't follow me, mm-hmm. and, and so what would you say to somebody that is still sitting there just going, "I cannot even envision?" how I would do this or, or what would happen if I did do this.
2: So if that's true let me, let me just start with it. If that's true if they wouldn't follow you if they knew your weakness then you should stop leading. They should stop following you. So let me let me say that up front. Now if that's just your perception and it's not true which is more than likely the reality um, I, I think you're going to have to step out in faith and be uh, obedient to the scriptures which calls us into the light James 5.16 to confess our sins to each other First John uh, 1 John 1 just calling us to this act of of open confession, and so I think you know that should be normative for anyone who uh, lives the Christian life. My friend John Elmore says something. You know, he said you, you're going to lead with a limp or lead with a lie, and if you're not, you know, a lie doesn't mean you just didn't tell the truth. A lie doesn't mean you said something that was not true. It can also mean you didn't tell the truth. Yeah. Uh, you you refrain from telling the truth, and so I think that's real. You're going to lead with a limp or you 're going to lead with a lie,
0: which would be misleading people like if you're, if you are not letting them know that there are some vulnerabilities and struggles and, and that you are on the journey with them, that is misleading them. You are projecting something that is not reality, because as we said in the beginning every, it is an inherently self-deprecating statement to say you follow Jesus. You you are saying you do not have it together. You needed a savior, not a second chance, because we all had the second chance and we ruined that one too, Mm. that we needed a savior. And that's, that's who we're following.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, golly, we were talking about a name um, today that uh, gave counsel publicly, not a member of our church, um, uh, but we heard a leader say, there's just some things you need to tell no one. Yeah. And we, we all just thought, wow. And, uh, and that person, come to kind of find out, was kind of living a double life. And so it's been my experience. And I, I know there's just super godly people who have nothing to confess. And uh, that's not my story. But it's been my experience that people who double down on that um, – and uh, and manage perception are man are truly managing perception and there's something there that would just be great to confess. Yeah, I would honor God. It would bring you a whole lot of freedom and would probably be a real gift to those you lead.
0: That's great. Well, if somebody's never done this, so let's stay and you know the the skeptic or the person that's sitting there arguing with us uh, mm-hmm. right now as they're listening to this. So if somebody's never done this what would be a first step?
2: I think start in your small group. And yeah. so I hope that you live in community. Um, and so when we say we've never done this, depends on what we're talking about, the this. If you're, if you're saying, hey, I've, I've never, I, I regularly confess my sins to a small group of people, but I would never uh, share my failures publicly. Um, I think you're living in fear and you're not uh, enjoying God's best. And Jesus said in John ten 10, I've come so that they might have life and have it to the fullest. I think you're missing out on the full life that Christ offers you. Um, I've heard a story where you know where where someone you know committed this grievous sin, and as they were talking to a pastor, they said, "You know, what do I do? What do I do?" And the pastor preached the gospel with them, and and they trusted Christ, and then they came back and and they said. Um, I said, oh, that's great. So I understand what Jesus did for me, but what about that grievous sin? And the pastor said to them, what sin? Insinuating that Christ had erased it. And I think what Christ has done for us is he's freed us from it. And so not like it didn't happen, but he gives us the freedom to talk about it so that our mess becomes our message, that our our mess can become our ministry. And so uh, more than likely my advice to you would be to start in your small groups to start in the act of confession and be free from you know the sin and the struggles that you're entangled in and then share Openly from your weakness, uh, so that people can um, relate to you. That's what happens with the guy who's in the ivory towers. No one can relate to him. I don't want to follow that person. Yeah,
0: and so to be really clear, you're not saying to do what you did that night at the porch as your first step to go. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to start off my <laughs> message <this laughs> I read my, my journal. For yeah, the last I guess three I got years. a new opener. All yeah. right, you know that here's yeah. here's how I'm going to go with this. I have found, you know, so I, that would is a great first step. And I found uh, that to be so helpful as far as sharing that in smaller groups. And then for those that do have an opportunity to communicate, and it can be preaching sermons or um, messages, or even, even just when you get a group of leaders together, I just have found those small little, just the small little stories of where you swung and missed are so endearing yeah. not uh, sin not sin just failure just some yeah misses. and some yeah. of it can, I mean I I think of a story that I've been telling recently in the past couple messages of of a, a conversation that I had uh, you know one night with my family where I was accused of something that I didn't do and it led to frustrated it led to me slamming a door you know and it's just like and using it in the context that I've shared it with, you know, conf- how, what it was like, how much time I had to spend afterwards kind of cleaning that up. What were the conversations like in my small group? And, and uh, every time, I think I've shared that in three contexts. And it's that same, that same example where people are just like, thank you. And, and they're nodding their heads going, I've got my story like that too, yeah. you know, and, and now saying, here's what I'm learning through all of that, you know, that sin is a waste of time and just how much time I had to spend cleaning that up for five seconds. And, um, and so I've just found even just little stories like that along the way, just in your regular communication. I know you do this really well, John, uh, and something that is a part of, of your, your leading.
1: I've got a lot of material to work with. Um, it's generally something top of mind, but I was going to say, you know, it also could just be insecurities someone said I just don't have a JP Story but I, I guarantee you you've got an insecurity which means when you stand up you can relate to every single person in the audience yeah. you know and I told my son's getting ready to go off to college and I said hey just someday when you stand in the middle of the, you know, the quad you look around and let's say there's 2,000 people I want you to know that there are 2,000 insecure people yes. that you're looking at now they're all going to handle it different they're going to do different things but you are not alone in whatever weird insecurity of the day that you're going to have and everyone is and so when a, as a leader acknowledges their insecurity, they they immediately build a bridge to every single person that, yes. that's listening.
0: It, when I'm, you know, JP, when we talk about message, uh, preaching messages and building need, I, I often when I'm reading a passage and I'm trying to put myself in the audience's shoes and just go, why would they not apply this? Mm-hmm. Uh, I really don't have to go much farther than my own head, yeah. you know, and just go, <laughs> why do I not want to apply this? And then right. if I can share some story of, hey, here's what bothers me mm-hmm. about this. Here's where I'm. Convicted by that. It just builds that bridge and that but so it's just little things like that, I think, are continuously letting people know that. That hey, I'm a sinner in need of a savior and I need Jesus too. Now it it's not all bad news. I need to show some examples of faithfulness and talk about how I've seen Jesus redeem this in my life as well. Mm-hmm. But uh so it doesn't always have to be dramatic.
2: Yeah. I think um you know, whenever we preach um or teach or lead, or, or always thinking of it specifically preaching, we're always thinking about, hey, we're preaching to a person and we try to think about that person and we make the, the message personal to that person. Uh the person I preach to the most is me. Yeah. That's what I, I've found to be true. And so I love what John said, just about um, the insecurity. The truth is, we all have a limp, like a known limp, and so we're not talking about just the most recent sin that you've committed. We're talking about the your weakness that you've carried with you, that you've cohabitated with, that you've just kind of embraced as a part of you, instead of working on it. And so anybody can can lead with that, like, hey, this is an area of struggle for me. This is something that I don't do well, you know, and and go from there.
0: That's awesome. Alright, well, last question before we wrap up, because uh, I'd imagine there's also some people listening right now and they're sitting there going, man, I wish the leader at my church or the leader of my organization got this because this is uh, something I see in them is there's a lack of vulnerability. They're not leading with a limp. It seems like they're projecting an image of perfection. What would you say to that person?
2: Yeah, I w- I would say... Uh, to do what I've seen done for me. And so the leadership here, so Todd Wagner is our senior pastor here at Watermark, and he's modeled this so well for all of us, and he's made a safe environment uh, for all of us. And so just go first. You've heard probably before, leaders go first. But you don't have to be at the top of an org chart to start to share out of your weakness, to lead with a limp, uh, to practice humility when you get opportunities to teach or lead Um you know, to to practice vulnerability, to practice authenticity, and so you model it, and hopefully, you know, others will see it. The Holy Spirit will make it alive in their hearts, and and it will spread like wildfire throughout your organization. That's great. I cannot believe that
1: is the last that uh, the last point, That's when that came out. But that is uh, one of the most important things that's been said on this whole uh, podcast is someone has to go first. Yes. Someone has to go first. If you're in a small group, if you're in a big group, uh, if you're in a team setting, someone has to go first. You've got maximum control over you. You be the one that goes first. And, uh, and someone is waiting for permission to be honest. Someone is, uh, is uh, waiting for permission to lead with their own limp, and they just need to see it done. And if you will go first, and you will be a good leader, I will bet others will follow. And so someone has to go first and let it, let it be you, leader, who's listening to this podcast today.
0: All right, JP, thanks again yeah, for jumping in with us. Always great having you in the studio with us. If you guys have any questions or comments on today's episode, please feel free to contact us via email. We can be reached at clp@watermark.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.